minimalists. <laughs> All right, we're back with Melissa Maker from cleanmyspace.com. Before we dive into our surprise questions today, and before we talk about some more cleaning tips, let's read some more about less. I grabbed this from your website, and you have 10 rules for a cleaner home. You have a bunch of, like, I, I tend to hate listicles, except mm. I found them to be so practical on your website and useful, <laughs> because usually it's nonsense, right? You're like, it's like... You won't believe these seven things Ryan Nicodemus owns. <laughs> <laughs> Monks hate Ryan for these seven things. Yeah. yeah um, but let's let's just talk about a few of these. I thought this thought it'd be a good jump off point. Um, Ten rules for a, a, a cleaner home. I thought these were these were useful reframings of it as well. So uh, always expect company. Um, what what a fascinating way to look at it because yeah. even though I very rarely have company because Bex and I are both. Uh, introverts like i think it's a good way to look at it and say okay is this i don't want it to be perfect but i want it to be presentable yeah presentable that's all i socially acceptable that's all it has to be you know you don't want people coming over and being like oh, i don't know if i'm going that guy's yeah. house again like you don't want that to be the opinion if somebody were to come over and not that we're cleaning for other people either but it's just it's a good way to frame it in your mind right i think that's yeah. it yeah we're not cleaning for other people but if you have that expectation where you're expecting company and you still have no company you're going to feel better within that space right, right. yeah you just don't want to be embarrassed i saw this uh, tweet yeah. where this guy was like i'm thinking about uh i'm thinking about creating a fake tinder profile and uh telling my roommate that I'm going to come over just so he'll clean because <laughs> he thinks a girl is coming over. I paraphrase that really poorly, but I think you get the gist of it. I was like, yeah. that's what I should have done with my roommate. <laughs> that is brilliant. I'm going to add 11. That's going to go on that. Create a fake tinder Right. Everything has a place. Um, and we, we sort of hear that. Um, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. But um, let's talk about that because quite often, yeah, especially depending on where we live, we, we just sort of we get accustomed to like, well, I've just crammed this here, cram it there. And then it doesn't really have a place. It's just been sitting there in some closet or cabinet where it doesn't even belong or right. it shouldn't be, right? Well, where it belongs. I think that's that's a great place to start. It has to be, and I think this will resonate with both of you, it has to be intentional, yeah. right? It has to have a reason to be there. It, it needs to make sense in the space that it is. And that way, you can find it. Yes. Because so often people don't know where their tape measure is. It's like if you put it in the space, if it had a space to begin with, mm -hmm. and if you put it there, you know exactly where it was. Yeah. And you'd also know if you had three of them rolling around, in which case you could get rid of the other two. It's funny because we do, like, even hoarders do this a little bit with like dishes. They know where their plates are and their cups are, and their, you just have to do that with the rest of your <sighs> stuff. Well, and Ryan will tell you that I'm, I. I, I can tell you exactly where everything is. He like, posted a picture of his junk drawer uh, and like the comments of like, that is not a junk drawer. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have this thing where I say we shouldn't call it a junk drawer anymore. We should call it a utility drawer. Oh, I like right? that. I yeah. Because it. it's yes. got, it's just a drawer full of utility, util yeah. useful items That's that we true. need. Yeah. Anyway, your junk drawer. Well, just anything. Like where if Ryan's like, hey, where are the, the coasters? I'm like, well, they're the bottom of... Our file cabinet here actually is... is there are no files in it. Okay. We store our glasses and we store... Like I have uh, some vitamins in there. Like we don't have any files because everything is digitized. Mm -hmm. But like we still use it to store a few things so that it's out of the way. Everything has its own place, right? Mm -hmm. and As opposed to like, well, we'll set it all on top of this conference table no, we're, we're, we're going to tuck it away, but we're going to do so intentionally. So we'll just cram it in the top drawer, cram it in the bottom drawer. Mm -hmm. No, like everything needs to have a place. And then Sean and I, we have a, a small little storage area over here where we keep our, our different and like, camera equipment. And it is the most, equipment. by the way, your studio and storage space are two of the most immaculate spaces I've ever seen, <laughs> just so you know. Thanks. And for your listeners to know, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. It's true. Uh, oh. And we can thank Sean for that as well. But Sean and I will often just, uh, we'll, we'll meet and say, all right, we've got, too many of these books or we've got whatever and and or we're not using and we often use rules like we have the 90 90 rule mm -hmm. and you know, if you I haven't used it in the last 90 days and i'm not going to use it in the next 90 
then we're, we probably need to go ahead and get rid of it. Find mm-hmm. someone else who can actually use it. We got a few other things here. Never leave dishes overnight. I love this because I I never do. I I never will never ever. I won't even leave them during the day. I never do that because of you being roommates with you. Really? Yeah. Because Ryan when, and I were roommates for seven months approximately. No, we were and roommates for longer than that. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. No, it really was like he, so. Uh, being roommates with Josh, I knew that I was going to have to change a couple of my habits because of his OCD, but I was willing to do that because I was hoping like his writing skills would just like, you know, through osmosis, like transfer to me. And uh, uh, turns out you actually have to put in the work. It just doesn't happen through osmosis. But anyway, um, yeah, one of the- Kind of like doing the dishes. Yeah, right. Exactly. So one of the things was like, as soon as he was done with his, you know, dishes, he would wash it and put it in the dryer, in the yeah sink dish dryer thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. A drying rack. Drying rack. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so so that's what I started doing. Like every time I was done with something, I washed it, put it in the drying rack. Same thing with squeegeeing. Like that, squeegeeing the bathroom, like that helps so much with when you go to clean the bathroom. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't have to teach you. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned because of Josh. Yeah. yeah. I, I taught that to Bex. And, and now she, what you understand is it's, it's actually this, this next rule that you have is clean as you go and squeegeeing is a form as soon as I finish the shower I just squeegee off the glass doors and, and the side of the shower and it takes me what 10 seconds to do this I mean but then you're not spending the weekend like Scrubbing. with soap scum and 100%. all this other stuff I tell people all the time I'm like if you could just take that squeegee and use it it takes you like 30 seconds yeah. I also do my floor because we have a flat uh, like a tile floor as well yeah. so I squeegee the glass and then I do the floor the whole thing it's also a little bit of a workout so mm-hmm. it's good post yeah. shower cool down mm-hmm. you know uh, it, it takes about 30 seconds right there is no soap scum hard water buildup. my shower always looks beautiful it is guest ready if somebody were to come in and look yeah, at it for sure you totally. know and it's just an easy thing to do clean as you go yeah and my, my mom taught me that when i was growing up just uh, even like with uh, making dinner and you know you've you've got this pan this pan or whatever and it's like mm. just clean those as you go as you're preparing mm-hmm. these things yep. and by the end of it you don't have this you know, mountain of dishes you have to yep. do you have far fewer right yeah. uh what else um We'll just do a few others here. Uh, be laundry ready. Let's talk about that. Be laundry ready. Uh, I'm. Let's see, I'm laundry curious. can be cannot be taken out of the dryer until you are completely ready to fold it and put it oh, away. Oh yes. Okay. All right. I was like, be laundry ready. Wh- where was I going with that one? <laughs> yeah. But okay. So the reason this is important, uh, people will often complain they don't like folding their laundry, mm-hmm. you know, or there's yeah. there's Mount Wash more piles of laundry. <laughs> the complaints. It's such a good one, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, um, you know, they'll, they'll get overwhelmed with the amount of laundry and they'll say, oh, you know, I have these four piles that are sitting on my bedroom floor and I haven't had a chance to fold them yet. And so if you're going to do a load of laundry, you have to find time to not only make sure that it can go through the wash, so that it's not sitting in there overnight and getting stinky. It has to go through the dryer. And then as soon as it comes out of the dryer, pull it out, fold it, and put it away. Yeah. Because when it sits, that's when wrinkles start to form. Mm-hmm. And then people, oh, I don't want to wear that t-shirt because it has wrinkles on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just an easy way to think about your laundry. You have to make sure that you can change it over. You have to make sure you can fold it and put it away. And when we think about active time with laundry, it's what? 10 minutes? Yeah. You know? It's not very long. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, it also takes up this sort of psychological space where I'm like, oh, I got uh, I forgot to do it yesterday. And so now I, it's just, it continues to pile up. And as it piles up, then it's much more than the 10 minutes. It's agonizing over it or being, just being reminded like, oh yeah, I have to do that this weekend or whatever. Whereas if I would have just done it when i was supposed to do it it's done and it's out of the way and i feel that sense of relief exactly yeah man that's like an advantage to having like a capsule wardrobe is you have less laundry like i didn't even think about that but yeah it's i used to have i would have those four piles because what i did is i waited until the very last thing was dirty and then i had to do four loads of laundry to clean everything and then i got four piles of laundry to fold where now it's like i could do you know i could wash all my clothes within one load that's what we call the monthly cycle, by the way. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was I, that was definitely me. <laughs> I, I bought some socks recently, so I will just when it's time to re- replace my socks, I just replace all ten pairs at once. Do you get all black socks so you don't have to worry about match, no, no, matching no, them up? No, 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 all oh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's purple and, and gray, like right? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, they, but I do. They they all match. So it's all it's all the same. <laughs> it's funny because I get bright socks like socks like that, but I never wear matching socks. <laughs> See, and that's <laughs> a cool socks. look too. <laughs> well, I I bought I bought some from this company, and then I, a few days later, I get a marketing email, and it's like do laundry less frequently i'm like okay this is a good tip let me let me read it buy more of our socks and it's oh like, my wait a minute but that's not how you do less laundry wow uh, i thought maybe they had i don't know reversible socks i could wear two days in a row <laughs> I, or merino wool socks where you just dip them in water wring them out in there yeah i don't like wool socks personally i've tried mm. them they don't work for me they make Wool's your feet not my friend make your feet sweat it's they're itchy. I just don't like wool um, in general. Um, all right, I, there was something else I didn't print out. Maybe you can you have some of these memorized. Five secret storage spots in your home. Mm. Do you remember any of these? So we have almost six hundred videos Woo! out. Um, Let's put a link to the five secret storage <laughs> spots in your home. Uh, Sean, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, and we'll move on to some surprise questions podcast Sean has for us here. Alexander said, almost every holiday and family event is held at our house. The time spent with loved ones is irreplaceable, but the amount of decorations, knickknacks, and holiday-themed items can be a burden. How can we how, how can we help make these special days flow better with less after clutter? Yeah. Which that could be a good episode title, by the way. After clutter? Um, <laughs> or Mount Washmore. That's a pretty good one, too, Sean. <laughs> um, yeah, after clutter. Like, the, the, that is, like, okay, well, you, you cook a big dinner for, for people. You have after dishes, right? But, yeah, you have some sort of holiday event, and you've, you've made these, especially uh, the big holidays like Christmas that we feel require a lot of decorations. They don't actually require a lot of decorations. We mm -hmm. feel that they do. Yeah. Afterward, you're like, it's almost like a, a parody you, at the end of a, a party in a, a movie. You're like all this clutter everywhere. How can someone like Alexander better enjoy these times but have less after clutter? So I just want to say I recently wrote an article about this very topic, how everybody loves photographing brunch. Oh, I made this beautiful brunch party for my friend. But then they never talk about what goes into cleaning up after that brunch. <laughs> oh, so can I tell you? That was my whole article. Ryan was doing something uh, a while ago. I think it's while we were on tour. I don't remember exactly yeah. when it was. But because people like they take the most perfect, beautiful brunch photo. Like cell phones has, have ruined nice restaurants. Uh, totally. It's well, like it's it's like it's turned into a photo shoot. Did you hear about the restaurant? Which restaurant was was doing I this? I know what you're gonna say. Uh, was it AOC? Maybe. Oh, maybe. Where they ban? Where? Well, phones? what they did actually? No, I forget what what. It may have not been whoever it was. Like they would see people and they don't they don't ban the phone. They don't say stop taking pictures of the food. They say, oh, we're really glad you enjoyed the presentation of the food. Tell you what, what we do, our chef each day takes photos of each of the dishes that we prepare and we post it to our Instagram account so you can repost professional photos right. of exactly what you ate today, which the menu changes every day. And, and that way you don't have to worry about trying to take it in this lighting, which isn't ideal for and your you just food. eat the food and enjoy, I don't know, right. enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, heaven forbid you just eat the food and enjoy it without letting everyone know how much you enjoyed it on well, social media. So something Ryan did is sort of like a parody of this is he was taking, you take a photo of the plate after the food was eaten. <laughs> like just an empty plate with a fork on it. <laughs> He was like, you should have seen this dish. It was delicious. <laughs> That's pretty minimalist if you ask me. Um, to answer this question, I, I've seen this with so many people. But to me, the biggest challenge is this year, it's like, what's my house going to look like for holiday 2019? It should look the same as holiday 2018. Mm. It shouldn't look the same as holiday 1987. Like, we can certainly move up a little bit. Yeah. But... I think when it comes to decor and holiday, you know, accoutrement, I think it's very important to be mindful about what it is that you're bringing into your home. Do you need nine pumpkins for Halloween around mm. your house and in your living room? Or do you need one on your porch? Yeah. And then everybody knows it's Halloween and we can sort of move on. So in my house, we, so I'm Jewish, my husband is not. He's other, so we celebrate <laughs> Christmas and Jewish holidays, Hanukkah as well. So we have very minimal decorations. We have a menorah for the days of Hanukkah, and then we have our Christmas tree, which we decorate as well, and it's beautiful, and we have a nice storage bag for all of our ornaments and what 
I, I don't know the technical terminology because <laughs> I didn't grow up with all of them. Uh-huh. But uh, we have our, our storage bags for that. And it's not like we go out to the store every year and buy 12 new ornaments. It's like we have what we have, we decorate, we put it away. It is a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are planning to decorate, you have to schedule in that time. You have to know it's going to be there on the back end. And let that be a lesson to you that when you're setting your house up and you're getting ready for your family and friends to come over, how much do you want to lay out? Because you're going to have to put it away. Right. Yeah. right. So just think about that. I think about, I remember like driving around when we were kids to, to see, you know, there were always the houses that really went overboard with the Christmas decorations. And the nice thing about that is you can go appreciate them without having to own all those lights yourself. There's someone who's passionate about putting up $7,000 worth of Christmas decorations and you don't have to spend a penny on it. You can walk past it. You can look at it. You can enjoy it. We'll go to, uh, we'll take Ella down to, uh, we did this, what, last year, Rodeo Drive at Christmas. And it's weird to celebrate Christmas in... Christmas in Los LA is Angeles. Awesome, man. It is awesome, but it's it. growing up in the Midwest, which you're from the Midwest as well, um, which is Canada. But it's <laughs> it, it is still the the middle the Canadian of the Midwest Western yes. wor- of, of, of the Western world, um, and so uh, you're used to snow and cold and and the that correlates with the Christmas music you hear at the retail stores and all this other stuff, right? But then you're here and you're like. It's cooler than it is in summer, but it's still 67 degrees. But the Christmas lights are on palm trees here. And so it's a different experience, which makes it a different kind of awesome because it is a new experience for me. Yeah, I really love it. I'd be just fine with that, by the way. (laughs) No snow, palm trees, bring it on. Well, you know, the thing that Alexander says in his question, too, is the, you know, the time spent with the loved ones is irreplaceable. And that's really what it's about, right? It's not about, I mean, the de- do the decorations really add that much to that time spent with loved ones? If they do, great. Like, I know I had a girlfriend whose mom had, like, I don't know, 300 Santas. It was something crazy that she put all over the house from big to small Santas to, like, the little Russian doll Santas. I mean, it was, she like... Serious Santa fetish. Serious, serious Santa fetish. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now I have inappropriate jokes I want to say. No. Um... So, so, uh, those things really, like, she loved them though. Like I could tell, like she just like walked into a room. She got this nice warm, fuzzy feeling and she never complained about putting out those Santas. Like she enjoyed putting those out. She never complained when she had to take them down, never complained about the decorations. So if that's where you're at, Alexander, great. Like then decorate your house. But if it's causing you a bunch of stress and a bunch of pain, like you've got to be able to look in the mirror and be like, this is a net negative. I cannot continue to do this because nothing is worth doing if it's if it's going to uh, bring you more stress than joy. There's some traditions you can carry forward that are still enhancing the experience that are that are enhancing this, uh, <coughs> excuse me, the irreplaceable time spent with loved ones. And that's great. I, I think of, uh, you know, growing up where you would like, leave cookies and milk out for Santa Claus. Like who's going to come over? My mom was an alcoholic, so she left cookies and beer out. Um, (laughs) Genius. Yeah. uh, It was like, oh, Santa comes in and he's going to need a beer. I thought you were going to say beer and cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) But she liked cookies too. Um, But uh, there, there there are traditions that you can carry forward, but sometimes there are some traditions that are no longer useful for you and your family. Maybe you grew up with them and you don't get any value from them. And it's okay to leave those behind. Yeah. We got another question here from Z- uh, Zaria. Zariah. Zariah. Yeah. Thank you. You're Zariah welcome. says, to keep the clutter organized, we used to have paper reams that we wrapped so our home wouldn't look like a photocopying center. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, the the paper ream box, you have the big uh, printer paper boxes, right? Um now she would wrap them with wrapping paper i i suppose and she says but my papa i suppose her father or grandfather demanded them to be removed because apparently we look like a shoe store <laughs> according to our neighbors and he hated it now the clutter is stacked in one corner of the house can you give any advice on this so so melissa here's the thing if it's clutter in boxes, it's better than clutter that's stacked in a corner of the house. But if it's clutter, that means it's just unused stuff. Yeah. I, 
no matter how you dress it up or dress it down or mm-hmm. where you put it in the house, if it's stuff that you don't need and it is there, it's got to be dealt with. Yeah. 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 I, I think that that's mm-hmm. the thing. And dealing with it isn't simply. So for me, I had an entire basement full of essentially container store boxes and bins. And so it was an organized system. It was truly organized. In mm-hmm. fact, my CDs were alphabetized. Mm hmm. And I had probably 2,000 of them. Oh I know, right? It's sad. Uh, but you should have seen his room in high school. Like it was, it was the CD uh, K, uh, holders, like just on, on the wall. On the wall. But not only like did Josh like when a new album came out, he'd buy the CD, but he'd also buy the cassette tape. Yeah. Because well, because his car was a, had a cassette player. Right. But in your in his room, it was a CD player. So like it, it was, it was a, as a as a high school kid, I was like amazed at how organized it was but now looking back i really should have like offered you some help (laughs) (laughs) well and here's the nice thing like back then if i wanted to listen to an album in my car i did have to have a cassette tape right yeah um and and today everything is digitized i the nice thing about streaming is we have access to these things without, without having to own a lot of these things and the same is true with many of the things that are happening in our physical world as well in many cases, you don't have to own a car because there are ride-sharing services, right? Mm-hmm. Or you, you, some cities, you don't have to own a bike because you can just, there's a bike right here on the corner. I'll, I'll use that. And so we're able to share a lot more than we ever were before. Now, it doesn't mean we have to share everything. There are many things we want to own for our own, our own lives that we may not want to share for whatever reason. And that's totally fine as well. But there are also things that we own that no one is getting any value from. It's not shared value. It's actually the opposite of shared value. Mm. It's just sitting there, quite literally, it was sitting there in these paper ream boxes that were wrapped up like gifts of junk. And gifts gi- of junk. Another good episode <laughs> title. Gifts of junk. Um, and, 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 and it's like, well, I, I don't like them looking like gifts of junk, so let's just take them out of the gift boxes and throw them in a corner and still no one's going to use them. Mm. You have to confront the clutter. Yeah. I want to talk about another video that we just launched, and it it talks all about it. it. Was something I was really passionate about. It talks all about what to actually do with your clutter once you've decluttered. Mm. Because for someone like Zariah, she might feel confused about, okay, well, I just don't know what to do with it, so it's going to sit in the corner, and I'll figure it out one day. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this video that I just talked about, you know, sell it. Mm-hmm. find a place that can receive the junk so a lot of the gifts of junk so a lot of people won't throw away their computer equipment because they don't know how to safely get rid of it mm-hmm. there are big box stores that will take it and get rid of it for you you right. pay yeah. at least in ontario when you buy the item you pay a recycling fee at the same time mm. so those stores can take it back and recycle it for you uh, there are so many different ways that you can actually process and deal with it once you think about it. Consignment. What people don't realize, the stuff that they have in their home, there is value associated with that. They can take it to a consignment shop. Clothing. I just did yeah. this recently Great with, with uh, some chairs that we weren't using. Uh, and the consignment shops will often pick it up. They, they may charge you a fee off of what they're going to sell the item yeah. for. Or you can go just drop it off to them if it's something that isn't too big. And you can get it out of your space. And then we claim money. Yes, you can actually make some money off of this junk. Yeah. All right, we got some voicemails here. Katie in Grand Rapids. Hi, Minimalist. Uh, this is Katie Koash from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, I'm a college student, and I guess as I started to learn more about you guys, the one thing that I'm really curious about is how do you be a minimalist student? As a student, I always feel like I have tons of papers and tons of things that I have to have, and no matter how much I declutter, there's always these books or supplies or things. So how would you say to live a minimalist life as a college student or even any kind of student? All right, so college students have to deal with books and binders and folders and trapper keepers. Yes, many trapper keepers <laughs> it's a legitimate concern i mean I, I remember when i was going to college like it was a ton of notebooks and i think business people have to deal with this too i think mm, it's probably yeah. a, a good question 
for, for business people who, I mean, I see it quite often and it's happening less and less now that we've digitized more stuff, right? But I still see people like walking around with briefcases, especially there, there are specialty fields like attorneys. Like where was I? Where oh, I was walking past the, the courthouse uh, recently and I saw an attorney like with this giant file thing and, mm. and I'm like, oh, I, you kind of had to do this back in high school and you had a backpack full of all these books and, and everything. Yeah. And so Katie's asking, like, how, how do you simplify when you're required to have so many sort of physical accoutrements? So I was smiling from ear to ear because I remember myself as a student as well. And I, I one particular textbook, it was a personal finance textbook, and you could figure out all sorts of different calculations about your mortgage. And I kept it and I still had it when we were moving houses last year. And I mm. looked at it and I laughed and I'm like, I did not look at this. I have not looked at this since 2003. Why is it still here? Uh -huh. And I just got rid of it. So even those textbooks, if, if it's not relevant, if it's not useful for you during this year, this semester, this program that you're taking, move away from the textbooks because material information changes anyway. Mm -hmm. You take your university or your college education and then you build on it when you're out there in the workforce. We also have so much access to information digitally right? So yeah. we don't really need to hang on to that stuff. I also physically kept all of my notes, like my paper yeah. notes. I remember I had this whole system. I would like put it in bags and then label it. And I'd be like, I'm keeping this because I'm going to need my grade 11 bio info later on. <laughs> I mean, I never used it. I remember when I moved out of my mom's house, I found like stacks of these bags of notes. Bags so, of notes. Bags yeah. of notes. I saw episode of Hoarders where a woman was like took her dead cats and put them in bags oh, and then no. put them in like a, a deep freezer. Mm. And uh, it's sort of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is an extreme example, yeah. obviously. But, like, they both are useless at some point. Um, although, I've used this example before with the cats in the freezer, and we had someone email me about, well, there is a reason I have my cats in my freezer. Wow. And, and I forget. Mm. Sean, do you remember what the reason was? Was it like... Uh, I think it was like, oh, it, it's winter time. I can't bury them in the backyard yet. Or I would be, I would personally be comfortable <coughs> with that. Yeah, me. No, I just want to go back to her question. I mean, if you don't need the material, and you probably, I know you're paying for this education. You think you're going to need the information, mm -hmm. but you've learned what you're going to learn, and you can build on it. And if there's ever something that you forget, you can always look it up or ask for help. Keeping the physical papers, keeping the textbooks. I don't think it's relevant. And that's why I was so happy to move on from my material. I I don't have anything from university. We call it, it's, you guys call it college here. Right. It's university yeah. where I come from. Yeah, no. Yeah, same thing. It translates. So, I, higher so, education. Yeah. But, you so, know, I, I'm over it. I was the same exact way you were, Melissa. Yeah. Like, I held on to all my notes. I held on to all my books. So the notes, it was because I thought for some reason I would need to reference those notes as I was moving on through college or university, whatever you want to say. Um, so as like as I was moving through, I never once referenced those notes. So uh, each semester, looking back, I could have thrown away every single notepad that I had. 100%. The textbooks, it was like, oh, I paid so much money for these textbooks. Um, yeah, I could sell it back for five bucks or, you know, like a minimal amount. Or I could hang on to this. And for s some reason, I felt like I was hanging on to the $300 that I spent to that, uh, on that textbook. But like you said, I mean... Like your 2003 textbook that you held yeah. onto, there's probably seven more versions that have been out. It's a sunk cost. Yeah. So, so uh, I would say instead of finding reasons to hold on to your notes, to hold on to your textbooks, look for reasons to get rid of them. And really, at the end of each semester, there should be nothing that you're carrying through. I mean, it's now Josh and I we 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 uh, don't speak in absolutes. There are exceptions to the rule. I'm sure someone listening to this is like, no, 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 I have a job and I reference my college paper from however long ago. Great. That is an exception to the rule. That is not the rule. The rule is that you probably don't need to carry anything past that semester of school. Carry it while you're using it. When you are no longer using it, be willing to let go. Yeah. Zach from Milwaukee has a question for us. Hi, my name is Zach from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I'm calling to get your thoughts about uh, how changing your environment changes your attitude towards things. I recently cleaned out my room and completely, you know, bottom up in my kitchen and everything. So everything is very clean, organized, and ready to go. 
And while I still haven't made a lot of life-altering changes, I just generally feel more open to those changes now and not as lazy or procrastinating. So I wanted to hear what you guys' thoughts about are how that sort of thing, just changing your physical environment, can really change your mental state and your openness to, to making a change in your life. So Melissa, you talked earlier about feng shui. And like, I'm not this huge believer in feng shui. I mean, because I know there's a lot of kind of uh, spiritual things that go along with it. But what I do know is that when I'm in a clean room, when I'm in an organized room, I certainly feel better. Uh, when I'm at Josh's house, um, he is like the most organized person I know. And it's like, wow, I really, really like being in this space. If you walk into my house, I mean, we're tidy, but it's not like uh, it's not like everything is uh, perfectly um and it's, you know, OCD organized, <laughs> but I love it though. Like I, the problem is I'm not willing to put the work in and do that. Sean, we call these backhanded compliments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really wish I was motivated to like organize my space like you were. Cause like for me, I've got, I have two chairs. They're mismatching. I've got, um, you know, I've, I've got things, you know, a couch that goes along with maybe something else, but like everything is kind of like hodgepodge mixed together. We're like, Josh's living room is like a show floor. Like you could walk in there and be like, "Oh, everything in here goes together." You the dining room table and everything. By the time you leave, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, but no, there is certainly something with uh, with a nice organized space that that helps you uh, feel better. I think this is one of the benefits for sure of having a clean space. Definitely, and I loved what Zach said about feeling. You know, he hasn't done anything big yet, but he feels more open to it. When you're not overwhelmed by the procrastination of the clutter, the mess that's holding you back, you can start doing more. You know, people who say I I function well in a messy space with a messy desk that believe it or not, that is me. Um, I think we're sort of few and far between because I know so many people, they have that messy space and they say that, but then it doesn't actually Mm. translate for me. Mm. I can actually get through it, but I... I know even in that, I I have enough humility to say I do work even better in a space when it is absolutely clean and pristine. But then I tend to mess it up. I told you guys I hate cleaning. So (laughs) I'm sort of, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more comfortable, sort of more like you, Ryan. I kind of like a little bit of, you know, mismatching and, you know, a little bit more stuff. Like all my dishes have chips in them. The cups don't match. I, we drink out of mason jars. Yeah. It's like whatever we... kind of like a lived-in space. Yeah. It feels kind of nice to feel lived-in. You kind of feel more comfortable there. But I, I really... I'm excited for Zach because I think there's a lot that he can do now that yeah. he doesn't have this obstacle in his way. Yeah. I think our, our material possessions are a physical manifestation of what's going on inside us. So what Zach is, is finding out right now is he has started to clear the excess clutter in his life. And now he's feeling calmer. Maybe he's feeling less stressed. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's feeling nicer to the people around him mm-hmm. because he's experiencing the positive benefits of, of letting go. I, I know that back even in the corporate world, my office, people would come in there and they'd be like, did you just move in here? Or are you getting ready to move it to another office? <laughs> and I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And I was like, there's nothing in here. There's just a computer on the desk. And and that's it. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's all I, I, I need. And, um, and, and people like, they couldn't fathom it because I think what also happens is we think we need to inject personality into a space in a unnatural way. When in a weird way, like the personality of my space was like the bones or the beauty of, of the thing. And so, uh, the, the, form follows function what am i using this space for i mean this studio is a pretty good example of that right the, it it is a calm space it has a a function and then the form follows that function and we still want it to look good and, and aesthetically pleasing but that doesn't mean you have to well i'm gonna have to put some sort of thing in this corner in order to spice it up a little bit or whatever if you want to do that that's fine but do so intentionally not because you feel cons- compelled to fill the space if the average house being built now something like i don't know 3500 square feet um then we feel compelled to fill every room of that space and and well the basement needs to now have an entertainment center in it or whatever and it's like no 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 you, Zach, or you, whoever's listening to this, you are complete in an empty room. And then everything you fill that room with should augment, 
the experience of your life? Should make the experience of being in that room more pleasant or um, joyful in a way? Or increase the experience of other people who are who are in that space with you? Mm. And if not, then you're just bringing it in because, well, I think someone else is going to like this. And the question I'll often ask people when they think about bringing something into their life is, do you like that? Or do you, or have you been told by someone else that you should like that? Yeah, that's a great tip for Alexander too, going back to the Christmas decorations. Like, are mm. you doing it for you or are you doing it for other people? So other people's expectations. Yeah, other people's expectations. And it's okay to do things for other people. Like, don't get me wrong. But if you're doing things only for other people, like that's going to drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you won't want to clean up afterward. You right. don't feel less motivated to actually do anything about it because you're schlepping along for someone else's benefit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure... Well, so you deal with people like Zach who have started to, to clean their space. You see comments on, on YouTube and and they start to realize like, oh, I, I wanted to clean the space for one reason, but then I'm starting to realize like it's changing my life in, in these other ways. Can we talk about that a little bit? I'd love to. I see that all the time. So I just want to say when I started making my YouTube videos, it was perfectly selfish. I have a cleaning business in Toronto as well, like a maid service. Mm -hmm. And my YouTube videos were like a free way to market my business because it was 2011 and YouTube wasn't quite the thing it is now. (laughs) So the videos took off and they started to develop their own life. And that's why, you know, I still have that maid service, but our digital business is also a really big one for us too. And When I say I was selfish, I wasn't making these videos to necessarily help people and change their lives. I was like, well, here's a little tip on how to clean something, now call my cleaning service. Mm, But what I've seen is that people's lives are changed by their cleaning habits. So I will often get emails from people who say, I've been in a really big funk, I'm depressed, I haven't been able to do this, recently divorced, recently widowed, uh, moved out for the first time, had to clean up uh, my parents' home, they were hoarders and they both passed away. I I get emails like this all the time and people Mm. say, because I live in a cleaner space or because you taught me how to clean, how to clean your toilet is one of our most popular videos, Mm. by the way, (laughs) which I was once ridiculed on air on a radio station about that. And I said, well, if people are looking it up and it's one of the most popular videos, it's clearly because it's a skill that people have to learn. Wait, why were you ridiculed? The um, the interviewer thought that I was taking advantage of the platform and taking advantage of people's lack of knowledge in this area he's like how hard is it to clean a toilet like that was his approach Mm, i'm like well clearly people have to know how to do it properly if they knew how to do it they wouldn't be watching the video on it so when people learn how to do things like this and i always say cleaning is a life skill like i said earlier it's also a form of self-love these are all things that i've learned over the years in my own discovery my own journey in cleaning right yeah. so when people learn how to take care of their space they take care of themselves they start to feel better mm. you know for for someone who is recently divorced and relied on their spouse to do all of the cleaning and organizing in the home and now that's a skill that befalls or something that befalls, befalls them mm-hmm. they have to learn how to do it so that they don't come home and feel miserable so that yeah. they wake up and have clean clothes to put on yeah. so mm-hmm. when you empower them with those skills Life changes when people are sad and depressed and then they finally clean their room after living in a messy room for two, three years. Their life starts to change. Yeah. You know, light comes in. Absolutely. A, uh, Jordan Peterson has become really popular lately. He's from your neck of the woods, I, I believe, Canadian. Um, and one of the things he often tells people to do is like, make your damn bed. And right. like, he, he's like, uh, in fact, our, our friend, comedian Jamie Kilstein, he was talking about Jordan recently on his podcast, said, uh, Jordan Peterson, who you may know from yelling at people to make their damn bed. <laughs> and but, but the thing is, like it's one of the first things I do in the morning is I make my bed in the morning. And, and the reason being is it, it provides a, a, a sense of order. And, and I think actually what Jordan talks about is clean your damn room. And like that's, that's the whole the whole thing is is if there is chaos on a local level, there's probably chaos at a greater level mm-hmm. and you can't start tackling the sort of existential chaos while you're still steeped in a sort of localized chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, ma- it makes me think about uh, like I've been sick before for, you know, four or five days mm-hmm. and I'm just like in bed and I can barely, you know, have anything down. And then like when I start to feel better, 
uh, I'll finally motivated to get out of bed and I'll, you know, go take a shower. And like after taking that shower, I'm like, I am a new person. Yes. I am completely renewed. Yeah. And it's the same thing with our physical space. Like when, when you do that to your, your, your bedroom or your kitchen or your entire house, like you feel like a new person. It's totally empowering. The mess and the clutter, it's sort of a barometer for the internal. I believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, oh, it, 100%. We got a voicemail here from Kylie in Kentucky. Hey, Minimalist. My name is Kylie. I'm calling from Richmond, Kentucky. And within the next weeks, I'll be moving back to Colorado. In Denver, multi-generational homes are becoming super common. And my boyfriend's parents are giving us that same opportunity. It'll save us lots of money and allow me to pay off debt. So over the last year, I've downsized and continue to do so, but I'm at the point where I'm very content with the amount of stuff that remains, and my boyfriend is super on board, looking forward to having me around to help him go through his stuff, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun doing that together. However, I'm a little nervous about living with his parents. They're extremely clean people, but have a lot of stuff. No matter how well organized it may be, having a lot of excess stuff is a source of stress for me. Aside from our bedroom, it'll be some time before we have our own living space within the house. Even after that, we will share the main living room and kitchen. What tips do you have for someone who is stressed out by stuff and about to live with other people's stuff that I do not have control over, especially when this will be our living arrangement for the next few years? So here's the thing. There are some opportunity costs here, mm-hmm. Kylie. And so you are, you said you're going to be living there for a few years. Let's just assume it's going to be two years at least. You're going to be there for a couple of years because you're paying off debt. Well, the, the, the cost of paying off this debt is going to be living in a space that is not ideal for you. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, if I'm trying to pay off debt, then I'm going to, I'm personally, I'm going to be willing to make that compromise, knowing, by the way, this isn't my space. Mm-hmm. And I think you, in order to disassociate it from it mentally, you have to realize that this isn't your space and you have to respect it. So it's not about trying to change your boyfriend's parents so that they become less cluttered or they own fewer things. Now, you can empower them through through showing them the benefits of, of living with less, for sure, but they still may not share your preferences, your desires, uh, or, or even your aesthetic, and that's going to be okay. I'm gonna look at this like it's temporary and, and have a plan in place. It's gonna be two years, three years, five years, whatever it's going to be, and I'm going to work really hard to finish that plan even before whatever that timeline is. And if you're able to to finish that timeline and you're able to pay off your debt, then you have a plan for moving out on your own, find your own studio apartment, one bedroom, etc. But if it's too big of a cost where this is stressing you out too much, then it might mean that you have to move out on your own and with with your boyfriend you can you can live somewhere and take a little bit longer to pay off that debt as long as you have a plan. Yeah. I think so long as the space that you reside in your bedroom is clean and organized into your liking, I think that can be your retreat. Yes. I also I I really love what you said about empowering um his parents. Perhaps they'll see your lifestyle and they might say, "Oh yeah, tell me a little bit more about that." Or and that just know- opens up the door. Yeah, and then they know that you helped him declutter a bunch of his stuff and they might ask you, hey, how, how did you do that? What's that all about? You might see that you rub off on them. Uh, but again, I would say like we, we all have our own emotional stuff. You don't want to take on anyone else's. So be internal, mm. focus on you, kind of put blinders on where appropriate and just be grateful. Be grateful that you get to do that. That's a nice opportunity for you and get a Pinterest board together and start planning what your own house will look like. <laughs> a vision board, yes. Yeah, so exactly. put it out in the living room and be like, this is my vision board. Hint, hint. No. It's shaped just like their living room. Blind <laughs> <laughs> couch. Yeah. Uh, Kylie, yeah, the worst thing you want to do is is like project all of your dissatisfaction. Like support them when you can. Uh, that's the, the only way you're ever going to get them to, to move towards what you're looking for. But you know, listening to her question, I was thinking about the opposite. Let's say that uh, her boyfriend's parents were super minimalist and she was a hoarder and she wanted to bring her hoard in and, and, and clutter up all of their living That's space. That's a great perspective, man. So it's like, I mean, she wouldn't, she certainly wouldn't go that route. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, you're not, go- like Josh, you said, man, like they have preferences. You have to respect those preferences. It's their house. 
So because it's their house, they do make the rules. And thank goodness that they are going to have this retreat of their room to go to where they can keep it very simple and, and clutter free. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you're not going to force your preferences on them. Uh, and, and that certainly isn't going to uh, create for a good living situation either if you're doing that. Let's hear from Jenny in Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, The Minimalists. My name is Jenny, and I'm calling from Wisconsin. My husband and I have been working towards a minimalist lifestyle since my diagnosis of multiple sclerosis at the young age of 23 back in 2017. Since then, we've been blessed with a healthy and happy little baby boy. Our parents want us to bring their grandson to their home as much as possible, as many wonderful grandparents do. The obstacle is that their home is not in a state that is baby, toddler, or child-ready or safe. There's lots of clutter and physical items that make their space unsafe for us to bring their grandson to visit. There's not even a space for us to sleep in the same room overnight with him due to the amount of physical items within their home. We have encouraged them well before I became pregnant of minimalism and downsizing, and they didn't embrace the lifestyle, which is perfectly acceptable, as we know it's not for everybody. So how can we respectfully encourage them to prepare their home so it's safe and ready for their grandson when we come to visit? So Jenny, you are looking at this exactly the right way. You're not trying to change them. You're not trying to impose the lifestyle. And by the way, you've presented the lifestyle of living simply or living with less. And for whatever reason, it's not appealing to them. And there's no judgment on your part. And I applaud you for that. However, you are in a position right now where it may not be safe for your kid to be there. Now, uh, we're not talking about nerfing the world and making everything perfect. That uh, doesn't seem like what we're talking about. But let's say there was a uh, an extreme example where you wanted to take the kid over to the parents, um, to your, I think it's your husband's parents' house, right? And and um, there were knives all over the yeah, floor. Yeah, or it was under construction. Yeah. Like you're not going to take your kid to a construction site. Right, well, right. And the, the construction would eventually be over, but let's say sure. there are knives all over the floor. Well, mm -hmm. you would have a, a basic expectation you'd have to set to them, say, hey, I can't have my kid here because there are knives all over your floor. Mm -hmm and he or she is, is going to get hurt mm -hmm. in the process. And so uh, before we can come over there, I'm going to need for you to not have the knives yeah, on the Yeah, would you be willing to pick up the knives? Right, and yeah. those five words change a lot for me. Would you be willing to? And, as opposed to saying, you're going to have to do this, just saying, hey, here's the basic level of expectation. Now you and your significant other, your spouse, are going to have to sit down and say, hey, uh, here is, uh, we, let's agree on what our basic expectations are. Here, here's the mi minimum level of expectation. And mm -hmm. then we have to go to your parents and say, would you be willing to do blank? Mm -hmm. And if not, then you have to be willing to not, to, to not be in their space until they're, until they're willing to accommodate the, the basic needs of, uh, of safety and, and security for your child. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not like, you know, cleaning up the whole house. Maybe it's just asking them like, hey, can we create a safe room for, you know, your grandkid when they come over? And really, when you're having that conversation, like that's not an easy conversation to have. So like I would put as much as you can on yourselves. Like, you know, uh, you, you know that me and your son, we are very particular as parents. And, you know, maybe uh, we... Uh, we hope we're not asking too much, but we really feel like we need a, a room that is safe, that is baby-proof for our kid to be in. And, and that can be this room. And you can offer to help them set up this room. I mean, that's actually kind of the best way you can um, help them to baby-proof something is offer to do it for them. Mm. Um, but ultimately, yeah, like, I mean, if, if they're not willing to create a safe environment for your kid... Then, like, I mean, why would you bring your kid to an unsafe environment? Um, I don't know. I've, and, and by the way, your kid is the leverage that you have here, and your in your time with them as well, right? Be, being willing to say, "Hey, I, I, I'm not able to until these basic needs are met. Then mm -hmm. we're not able to spend time with you. And we really want to be able to spend time with you." Yeah, my grandma smokes in her house. My cousin has a kid, and she's like, "Look, I love you, Grams, but you smoke in your house, like either." Please don't smoke in your house when my kid is there, or um, we got to hang out outside. So I mean, it's it's giving an ultimatum in a way, but very lovingly. I mean, she's kind of giving that ultimatum. What would you do, like if you had uh, uh, in-laws 
that had an unsafe environment and they wanted you to bring the kid over all the time in this unsafe environment. Exactly what you said. Yeah. Because we're advocates as parents. Like we're advocates for these little people who don't have a voice yet. We have to, and I am like the safety police. It actually drives my husband crazy. But (laughs) if I go to- Someone has to be. It's so true. (laughs) If I go somewhere, I have to know that she's not gonna hit her head on the side of something or slip or trip. Like you have to, you have to have eyes pretty much everywhere and you want to know that the space that you're bringing them into is safe. That also goes past just the physical stuff, but you want it to be, you know, as free of toxins as possible or cigarette smoke. My mom just went through a big renovation. We had to we had to keep my daughter away from her condo for a while because there were all kinds of fumes and little mm. pieces and, you know, things that just had to be cleaned up before we could safely bring her there. I think it makes us very uncomfortable to have to have these conversations because it makes us face a lot of things with our parents, Mm -hmm. especially when kids come around. But as you say, it is leverage, right? We can say, well, ultimately, if we don't feel comfortable coming over, we'll have to come up with alternative arrangements. It's not about, um, you know, being demanding or letting your horns come out. But it it is just about being respectful in your communication and letting them know, these are my needs, these are my child's needs. And if we can make this work, we're happy to come by. She, If she needs a place to sleep, I imagine it's somewhere they would have to travel to and stay overnight. They will want a space with a bed that's comfortable, that smells good, that feels clean, that doesn't have a lot of clutter in the way. So yeah, if they can offer to help to clean that space up or if the parents can take that on themselves, understanding that that's the request and that's the requirement for having their grandchild over, hopefully that will work for them. That's yeah. what I would advise. Yeah, and you would think as parents themselves... Like they would respect those requests. I mean, I'm sure when, you know, uh, uh, when they were raising her husband, mm-hmm. like they had certain requirements. And uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would think that they would respect those those requests. Yeah, and I, to I, an extent, I think that you, what you're talking about here is working together. So what, yeah. whether it's asking them for some some help, but also being willing to provide the help, you all probably want the same outcome here mm-hmm. and, it, and it's to spend time with their grandson your son and 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 doing so in a way that is safe for everyone now you might have a different idea of what is safe right and we we just had um we were, we were talking about helicopter parenting with uh, emily oster she's a professor at at brown university and um she's written a couple of really great books one's called expecting better and the other one is called Crib Sheet. The Expecting Better is about pregnancy, and it's and they're, they're both, she's an economist, so everything's very data-driven. Her husband's an economist as well. And um, <clears throat> the, the thing about helicopter parenting is one person's idea of helicopter parenting is someone else's idea of just normal parenting as well. And so you, for your kid, you probably do have a higher standard than other people are going to have. And so realize that it may seem unreasonable to other people, but it may not actually be unreasonable to you. And there are probably more effective ways that you can communicate that to your parents by letting them know, not in an accusatory way, well, you're not providing a safe environment, but hey, I think we can work together to provide a safe environment for this person that we love and that we care about. Yeah, any of these difficult situations, like if you're kind and you're showing respect, you're probably gonna move forward some, some bit, but yeah. Uh, don't project all of your anger and um, uh, uh, preferences onto your, onto your in-laws because, yeah, that's going to push them further away for sure. Yeah, and we're not trying to be combative here. No. And I think sometimes that, that can happen, whether it's cleaning a space. like It can feel, it can feel like it's me against you yeah. sort of thing. Do you, do you ever talk about that in your videos? Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, my husband and I... That's what we deal with on a regular basis. He is tidier than I am. I am cleaner than he is. So there's Ooh, yeah. there's quite the push-pull there. You know, the way that I clean a kitchen, it's like very technical. I mean, you could bring a, a black light in there. It would be perfect. <laughs> but I'm okay with a little bit of buildup of stuff because, you know, I got busy and I'm still working on that. That's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Whereas with him... Everything, so I have this thing that that I talk about and the way I train my staff is everything, and you will love this, everything has to be lined up parallel or perpendicular to the edge of a surface. And then that way, (laughs) it just looks 
perfect. Yeah. Okay, so my husband is so like that. Good. Everything is like very. Yeah, look at your smile. You're beaming. So <laughs> Love it. So my husband's like that too. He, you know, everything is like very organized, very clean. He puts everything away where it needs to be. But this guy will not pick up a rag to wipe anything. Mm. So I think it's about understanding where the other person's at. We kind of help each other out. So I know if Chad, my husband, has tidied, I will clean and vice versa or he knows like if I left something out he'll put it away for me and I know you know if he forgot to do ABC in the cleaning world I will pick that up for him and we also don't rag on the other person so he's not like put your stuff away and then I you know it causes an argument because that's a terrible environment to yeah. live in yeah. and I won't say you you know your side of the bathroom's a mess like we just don't have those arguments that's not part of what it is we just try to help each other out as best we can. And then that way, our relationship is still good and healthy and we live in a mostly clean and tidy space. Yeah, and I, lo I love how you differentiate the two because um, I'm probably much more like Chad than, uh, with respect to like, if I don't, I don't care as much about cleaning as I do the, the sort of organization and, and yes, being parallel or perpendicular yes. to, to the edge, like that is like beautiful. Um, and <laughs> if you're just listening to this, Melissa's like moving her glasses around, organizing them. But here's here's the thing: it sounds to me like you have a complementary relationship, but it takes time to build that. You, where you figure out what the other person's strengths and you are. Have to talk about it. Yeah, mm. and you have to be honest about what your weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. And quite often, it's one of the hardest things to do because, it's like, well, no, I'm perfect in absolutely every area. And it's like, well, of course I'm not. And if I, if I can be honest about where my deficiencies are, especially relative to the other person, it may not even, I may not see it as a deficiency. I just see where this person is stronger than me in, in a particular area. And if we can both realize that together, we can talk about it, mm -hmm. then we're probably going to work together a lot better because we have a better understanding of how the relationship uh, dynamics work. Mm. Cleaning and housekeeping is actually quite a cause for rifts in relationships and marriages. So even at my cleaning service business, we get a lot of calls and people will say, like, I need you to come over to save my marriage. We get those calls. Mm. Yeah. Because, wow. I mean, people argue about cleaning, dishwasher, laundry. Like, these are all things that people just, it's an everyday thing. We've got to maintain our house every single day. Who's doing it? When are they doing it? How are they doing it? Are they, are they doing it the way I like to have it done? Mm -hmm. You know, like, all of these little things come up, right? So it's important to talk about. Sometimes these arguments are actually a manifestation of some deeper problem that's mm -hmm. going on. And so it's like really someone's unhappy about their sex life or the the money in the bank account mm. and it's so it's like why'd you leave your damn towel on the floor and it's like oh there, there's really something underneath this but by by confronting the physical stuff maybe it actually makes room mm -hmm. for some of these deeper more difficult conversations and they don't manifest in these explosions of like i can't believe you left your sock okay like that's actually not that big of a deal. If you're blowing up over that, maybe, maybe the problem actually goes a whole lot deeper than that. I think that. you're right on. Yeah. We got a question here from David in Albany, New York. Hello, I'm David, and I'm from upstate New York, Albany area. There's a lot of clutter in my house. When my dad's new wife moved in, she brought tons, boxes and boxes of stuff, and just sitting all around the house, just collecting dust. So I was wondering if you had any tips on how to get my family into the minimalist lifestyle without forcing it upon them. Man, so we were talking to, uh, I mean, at least tangential to this, we, we were sort of talking about this earlier with, with respect to, I think it was Katie. Or no, it was uh, Kylie. Kylie. Yeah, it was Kylie in Kentucky who's mm -hmm. moving to Colorado. And she's for a period of time, two to four years, going to be living in her boyfriend's parents' house. And now, David, this is where you are right now. For the next four years, you're, you are in a space that is not yours. Now, you probably have your own space, mm -hmm. and, and that can be your own sort of sanctuary where you, you can, uh, your own retreat where you, you can go and, and, and hide from the, the chaos, so to speak. Uh, but... I think also there's an opportunity for you to probably help out. You're in a, a, trans, a transition period as well. Uh, your stepmother, who has moved into the house, is is trying to adapt to you and, and her new family. 
And as opposed to just seeing the clutter that's there, maybe you can see an opportunity for you to contribute. You can ask, hey, how can I help? This is an opportunity for me to help my dad or, or my new stepmom or the family in general. I couldn't imagine if I was 14 years old and I went to my parents and I was like, <laughs> how can I help make this a cleaner space? Parents dream of that child. I, that's what I'm saying. Like my yeah. parents would have been blown away. So like, I totally agree with you, Josh. Like David, you have an amazing opportunity right now to be this like hero of a child, to go to your, your dad and your stepmom and be like, hey, I know that this place is, is uh, not totally put together. How can I help put it together? Mm-hmm. Like that is really, that is really gonna be, uh, yeah, that's gonna be awesome for David, for his relationship with his parents. Now, and by the way, your parents might have a really busy life, right? And so they, they, <clears throat> they just may have, they may actually want to clean the space up and they've got all this stuff, but it's really low on the priority list for them. Mm. And if they are now inspired by their 14-year-old son to take some action, this might be exactly what they need. I also just want to say to you, how incredible is it that you're 14 and you've made this change in your life? You know, it's taken me years and years and years to go on this quote-unquote cleaning journey, and I'm still struggling with it. Uh, There are a lot of young audience members in the Clean My Space community as well who have made that change. And I'm almost envious of them that they've had that much more time in their life to live this particular way. The one thing I'll say is um, don't let it get between you and your family and don't get frustrated if they don't change. Oftentimes people, as, as Josh was just saying, they have things going on. They can't focus on it. It's not important to them, but it's important to you. And I think you just, not to use the term too much, but you just doing you and living that life that's meaningful to you, hopefully leading by example and offering your help where appropriate. I think that's the best service that that you can offer them. And just continue to go on this journey because this is just a wonderful place for you to be. Yeah, I gotta tell you, like this is these are the biggest compliments we get is when like a high schooler calls in and I'm like, oh my God, like Josh, we have influence on the youths. <laughs> like it feels so good. But like, I mean, seriously, just reiterating, like I know, cause I, I grew up with step parents and I had really bad relationships with my step parents and you know, partially it was me and partially them. And I could sit here and we could just have, you know, a whole podcast episode on all my mommy and daddy and step mommy and step daddy issues. Yeah. But looking back, I really wish I would have went out of my way with my, uh, my step parents to try and move towards them and offer to help them with whatever it is that they needed help with to try and strengthen those relationships. So David, like, yeah, you're on the right path, man. Keep it up. Um, I mean, I didn't figure this out till I was 28 years old and he's, you know, half the age. So, um, yeah, keep up the great work, David. Do you think if you would have cleaned your room, your stepdad would have not beat the hell out of you? (laughs) Actually, no, (laughs) actually he probably wouldn't have beaten the hell out of me for that reason. He would have just found a different reason to beat the hell out of me. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, clean your room, David. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa, I want to thank you for being here today. You're awesome, Melissa. Uh, this was really enjoyable. You're welcome back whenever you want. You Thank come through you. California, you're welcome to come here. I want to encourage people to check out cleanmyspace.com. They can check out your YouTube YouTube channel, check you out on social media. Is there anywhere else I should send folks? Oh, your book, Clean My Space. Yeah, also called Clean My Space. And we have a line of microfiber cleaning cloths, so you don't need to buy tons of them, actually, because they last for so long and they're so awesome. great. Cool. Um, she said she was going to bring us some, but then she remembered that like how I didn't you, want to bring stuff that would then clutter up your cupboards. Right, exactly. So I brought you chocolate. I'll tell you, yeah. But I'll tell you what though. I uh, I have we have like basically dish rags that turn into cleaning rags. Yeah. But like I will when I do need some, I will check out these micro. No, I'm gonna send you some. Yeah. My my yeah. wife hates me for this, but I so I've tried to go and not use paper towels, but it is I just. Let's talk about paper towel real quick. What's your thing with paper towel? I like them. They're easy. They're convenient. I can throw them out. You don't have to wash them. Yeah. yeah, it's a renewable resource. We we they're all the trees are planted. Yeah. If you care about trees, you like actually, I do, you, would, you want to use more paper towels. And it doesn't solve the landfill problem. I mean, there's still that issue. Um, they, they they're compostable. They are compostable. Yeah. I mean, it's better. I mean, it's better than using like a piece of plastic and then just throwing it away. All of my paper towels are plastic. <laughs> Plastic wrap and right. <laughs> yeah, it's saran wrap yeah. paper towel. What, so what? Uh, what do you not? You you don't like paper towels? Well, I just don't like the disposable aspect and yeah. the disposable mentality. So you know, mm. our cloths they can be used five hundred plus times, mm. like used, washed, 
Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, they last for a long, long, long time. I've yeah. had some for 10 years. Yeah, Bex and they will just like, keep going. She'll like take a paper towel and like dry it. <laughs> we well, take it off, throw it away. You know what? The, so growing up, uh, like not just like my household where we were poor, but like other friends, paper towels was like this commodity. Well, like if you use yeah. the paper towel to like say blow your nose, uh-huh. that I, like they would be like, "What are you doing? Those paper towels are expensive." So there's something about like I, I get the Viva, the nice paper, Me too. the nice paper towels, the yeah. Viva one, and sometimes uh-huh. I blow my nose with it. And I'm like, I don't even have. To, oh, I can afford this paper towel. <laughs> life is good. So so yeah, I just want to say like uh, basically, life is good when you can afford uh, Viva paper towels and you can order guacamole without worrying about it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if uh, uh, we don't rem- have that in Canada yet, <laughs> <laughs> guacamole, <laughs> guacamole ordering. <laughs> no, I mean like you know, like adding guacamole and not worrying about how much extra guacamole like a costs. Or yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. I missed it. No, I, if, yeah. If Ramit Sethi were here, he, uh, I did a podcast episode with him while Ryan was uh, taking care of his grandma, and uh, he goes around and asks people like, "What is your idea of a rich life?" Because he, he wrote this book called uh, "I Will Teach You to Be Rich," but it is not about like financially no. rich. It's about changing your your, your mind state. And listen, so Ryan's idea of rich is Viva paper towels and guacamole. And ordering guacamole without thinking about how much extra it's going to cost. <laughs> yeah, it's not buying a Lamborghini. Right. It's just guac- guacamole and v- it's paper towels <laughs> that you use to wipe the guacamole off your mouth. But the right. good kind of paper towels. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Oh, man. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. My yeah. pleasure. You're Thanks wonderful. Thanks for having me. You're awesome. All right, y'all. Love people, use things. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much, patrons. We love you. The minimalists. <laughs>